politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots and forgotten American taxpayers to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house very tenuously here. Sorry about missing Tuesday show. Uh, This is for Wednesday show. It is actually still late Tuesday night. Um, But I know you guys count on the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. So I did not want to miss two days in a row. Lots of just family stuff coming up. Um, My father had this sciatic nerve pain and I've been helping taking him to doctors. And then, you know, his brother dies. My uncle, uh, he was terminally ill for a long time. And, you know, we're expecting this any day. So I'm going to head up to Jersey for a funeral and uh yeah it's just it's been a long week but i wanted to make sure at least you know i get in some baseline here look the world is shutting down anyway um you know the the only difference between the 2004 2003 sars outbreak and this uh wohan chinese virus coronavirus is social media okay that, that that's the only difference um if this would have happened 15 years ago Uh, It would have been the same as ours. Uh, The reality is the media has the ability to focus people's attention on whatever they want to do. And as I always say, absent an equal and opposing force, focusing the public attention on another issue, they're going to win out. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be guarded. And if you're sick or elderly, you shouldn't be careful going out. But it really doesn't warrant what is going on. But nonetheless, this is the worst thing of our lifetime, right? What is truly unbelievable that nobody is really focusing on, aside from Breitbart and us and a couple others, is how the single biggest problem when you're dealing with a global pandemic, the single biggest conduit to getting the problem in mass into your country is immigration whether it's a land border, whether it's an airport. And we still do not have an ironclad travel ban quarantine policy like Israel does. I mean, even it's bad enough that we want to bail out every industry that we say is affected by this, which is just it's just stupid because, I mean, this is not like the 2008 downturn. Not that I agree with the bailouts then. But They're the worst systemic forces taking down the economy. The economy is fundamentally strong. I mean, spring is around the corner. In many parts of this country, it's unusually warm for March, certainly in the the eastern part of the country. Um, The disease does not like warm weather. It's not going to go on forever. So, I mean, I just don't understand this apocalypse thing that somehow like, Yeah, I understand you're probably not going to make up the economic loss dollar for dollar. Let's say you lose out, you know, five weeks of business, but people do need to shop. Businesses have to plan. People who wanted to travel will travel again and make up their time. I mean, let the economy work. But here we are. Dare I say, dare I say, party like it's 2009. (laughs) Isn't it ironic that before this thing hit, the Senate was dealing with a green energy, Solyndra-style subsidy bill? So green energy, bailouts. I mean, this is where so many 
conservative activists in this era cut their teeth in the Tea Party era in response to Obama. I mean, in all honesty, because Trump is proposing it, I'm supposed to like it now. And again, don't tell me this is somehow MAGA. Because it's the same MAGA, so to speak, as endorsing every piece of garbage that's anti-MAGA. Just tonight, and again, you, you'll hear this on Wednesday, watch, I'm watching the Mississippi returns. You know, everyone's focused again on the Democrat primary in Michigan, Missouri. I don't care. There's two rhinos up for re-election in Mississippi House races. There's MAGA type of candidates challenging them. You know, but they don't have much money or zero name ID. And Trump endorsed incumbents. Yeah, I just realized that uh, a friend of mine reminded me last week in Texas's races in District 11, we had Maria Espinoza, an angel mom. The, who, she started the original like remembrance project, the, the original Victims of Illegal Aliens organization. Trump would have her up on stage, talk about her. She ran. Trump endorsed against her. And of course, you know, if you have a big field of candidates in an open Republican district, you know, they're pretty evenly matched if they don't have name ID. If Trump comes comes in and endorses one of them, that guy is going to win without a runoff. So whether it's green energy, whether it's keeping the border open, whether it's bailouts, Trump will go with whatever people clamor for. And if the clamor is from big business, he'll listen to them. If the clamor is from the swamp, from the media, he'll listen to them. But the biggest thing I can't wrap my arms around. It's funny, we've been trying to conjure up together the last number of years metaphors you know to try to explain the the severity of the problem of judicial supremacism and i keep saying well what what if a judge would say you have to cut your balls off or what if they would say to do this i mean look i couldn't have ever imagined something like this that you would have a epidemic a global epidemic that at least is perceived as the black plague enough to shut down our economy yet we won't shut down travel And to this day, CBP will not give me an affirmative answer. In other words, it's no. When I ask, when you catch the Chinese at the border coming in illegally, and I know you do catch and release because they were never returned to Mexico, are you quarantining them for 14 days? And they they cannot say that they have a policy in place to do that. It boggles the mind. Nothing ever trumps the gods of open borders. Think about it. It was announced last week that Trump is sending another 160 troops to the border to deal with the impending fallout from the Ninth Circuit opinion. Waving their magic hands, saying that that, that they have to allow in the caravans. Bogus asylum requests. Here's a rule of thumb. If what's going on at the border is bad enough and what the court is engendering is bad enough to require sending out the military to stem the tide of people trying to rush in. I mean, that's that's what they said. That they basically um, 
Here, here's the press release from last Friday. CBP ports of entry are not designed or equipped to handle extremely large groups of travelers arriving all at the same time, and temporary, and temporary closure of a POE is contemplated as an extreme option, as necessary for public safety and border security. Compounded in response to Friday's amassment of large groups in Mexico with the potential to forcibly enter the United States, CBP closed or partially suspended operations at multiple locations in order to maintain safety and security. If the fallout is that bad, maybe, just maybe, this is not an issue the courts have jurisdiction over. Maybe, just maybe, the courts don't have jurisdiction over borders and national security. We're doing national security by judicial fiat. It's unbelievable. Like, I mean, if this is bad enough that Trump's like, oh my gosh, the, the media is making, like, they're trying to destroy my presidency over coronavirus. Everything is coronavirus. We need bailouts for coronavirus. You know, we need to shut down the country for it. The market's going down. You would think it would be a, so easy for him to jujitsu that into, well, then we're shutting off travel. And as a minimum, we're shutting off illegal immigration. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I said, you will never get a better opportunity to find a catalyst or a cathartic moment in pushing back against judicial supremacism than you have now. Now, it could be by the time you hear this show, maybe the Supreme Court will step in. I don't know. And well, you know, obviously that will be self-evident by the time you hear this. Uh, they have another day. But the reality is the fact that if the Supreme Court doesn't step in, the executive branch will just allow this. This is the biggest thing conservatives need to harp on Trump with. So that's with that. But we got this bailout business, which I just like, I mean, he's going to do it. It's never enough. Record funding for every agency. We had another 8.8 .8 billion we passed. They want to bail out the airlines, the oil, like the oil companies. How about rather than bailing them out and subsidizing the oil companies, how about just getting out of their way with the drilling? Now, to Trump's credit, he really is trying to ease the permitting process, whether it's drilling, whether it's pipelines. But here's the deal. It gets back to the same problem. The courts. The courts. We need to deal with that. You know, if you want to give a stimulus, boy, that's an old word. We haven't heard that for, for a decade. Remember that? The stimulus. So now we're talking about a Republican stimulus. What is this? Some sort of sexual act or something? I'm, I mean, I'm sorry to get crude here, but like stimulus. I thought we were done with that. You know, we're all Keynesians now. Like you could just like stimulate the economy. But if you want to do that, Get the courts out of blocking drilling in, in 50 states and pipelines, things like that. So that's with that. I, I just don't understand. If we just called our border coronavirus, they'd finally care about it. They'd finally care about it. And again, it's like, it's shocking that to this day, we don't have travel monitored 
talk about monitoring Americans, but what a government does have the right to monitor is, is foreign nationals who come in. To this day, there is almost no deterrent to people um, staying against, uh, overstaying their visas. So we talk about the border, but then there's the visa overstays where they never get caught. 25 years after Congress promised to deal with this. Think about it. Many of you might have seen my article. I was out on Tuesday and out again Wednesday. But um, I did publish an article that I hear is going to be reprinted in the Boston Herald because this had to do with a Massachusetts family. Almost an entire family was wiped out by an, by an illegal alien who overstayed his visa working in this country illegally. Think about that. Julie Smith, 41, her five-year-old daughter, Scarlett, 12-year-old son, Jackson, their grandmother, Josephine Fay, four members of a family. They're traveling on vacation from, they were from Massachusetts. They're on vacation in Disney World. This illegal alien rear-ends them. We don't know the details so much, but this Lucas Dos Reyes, uh, Lorindo. This happened last a couple of weeks ago last month, but it was announced earlier this week that he was charged with careless driving, but that's just the civil citation. He just got a ticket. But the bigger story is that Border Patrol nabbed him when he, he knew that he, he, he killed four people and he was trying to run away. Like, so he, he had no problem milking us dry, overstaying his visa. Suddenly he kills four people. He's like, hey, well, I got to get out of here. He overstayed his visa. He was a Brazilian national. And Border Patrol got a hold of him. Or I guess it's OFO. Um, that's the blue shirts that men, the um, airports, as well as the land ports. It's not Border Patrol, but it's CBP. They, they nabbed him, and now they're holding him in a federal facility in Glades County, Florida. Folks, this happens every day. See, this is the thing. We talk about how the media is able to drive narratives, right? The media is able to drive people towards certain things. They can get people to panic or focus about whatever they want. But because we don't have a conservative movement, to draw enough attention to these stories. There's never any impetus, no matter how many tragic stories happen. And there are so many we never know. It's very accidental how we fi often find out about some of these cases because there's so many we don't. I don't know if he was drunk or not, this guy, but there is a drunk slash reckless driving problem from illegal aliens. And everyone knows that. Very, very big problem. But what is so tragic, when you have these things, you know, tragedies happen. God's in, in charge. You know, I'm dealing with death in my family. And obviously, my mother's side, too. There's a terrible prognosis with my aunt and a lot of different stuff going on. It's, it's been a rough couple of days for my parents, both of them. Um, and, you know, God's in, God's in control. But from a public policy standpoint, we're always looking to see how, how could we stop death? Whether it's a disease, we come up with a cure, whether it's murder, how do we prevent it? And again, it's like pre preventing foreign nationals from committing murder is, is the core federal job. 
and it's so preventable and it speaks to policies that we were promised. We were promised. Over 33 years after we were promised that we would ensure illegal aliens can't work here. 25 years after we were promised visa exit entry to immediately track visa overstays and apprehend them. This man was allowed to overstay his visa and remain here and work here. According to one of the local Massachusetts TV stations that dug into this, he was caught on, quote, I mean, at least according to, to the story, it was a visa violation, and he was here um, working illegally. Didn't say where he was working, but he worked here illegally. And by the way, this, this is one of the things I do want to do, um, just you know, to crowdsource some of the GoFundMe pages. There's a GoFundMe page for the Smith family. When we do get up our Facebook page, um, I'm a little bit behind on that just because it's been a slower week for me. But this is one of the things I want to do just to raise awareness. I mean, this is a big deal. I, I sent it to the governor's office there. Hopefully they'll use it. But I mean, you're, you're sitting and having a fight. Governor DeSantis wants mandatory E-Verify. The rhinos don't want it. They're blocking it, watering it down. And you have a case of a, a guy that was illegally working. Had we had E-Verify, he would have been vetted out, removed, Frankly, wouldn't be here if he couldn't work. Four people are dead. Same thing that happened last November in Florida. This guy, James Zakos, a Floridian, was killed by an illegal alien driving a forklift, working for a company. He had pre prior driving violations, was never, never given over to ICE. And um, he was able to get a construction job. An important thing to remember when discussing this issue is that when we talk about how in FY 2019 alone, there were 2,500 homicide charges or convictions among those subjects to, to ICE detainers, that doesn't include many of these vehicular manslaughters. These four deaths do not go into that tally because remember, this guy is charged with not even vehicle, vehicular manslaughter. He's charged with uh, just reckless driving. So if you look into their other statistics, they, um, they report for FY 2019, there were 74,523 DUI charges and convictions, as well as 68,236 driving offenses. Now, I was told by ICE officials that that does not mean like, like tickets. It means, you know... Things close to drunk driving, serious reckless driving um, that, you know, are not just like a parking ticket or something. So my point is, how many of those resulted in deaths? So when you when you talk about, you know, twenty five hundred illegal alien homicides in a given year. Given their proclivity to drive um, drunk and drive recklessly, God knows how many of those led to a death of, of, of an American or, or whoever? 
I mean, the scope of the public safety threat posed by illegal alien drunk drivers is unbelievable. Truly, truly unbelievable. The 2010 report by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration found that Hispanics are less likely to believe that driving while intoxicated is a safety problem. Texas Department of Public Transportation reported that 10,607 Latino drivers were involved in alcohol-related crashes in 2009, and the nearly 200 that died represent 31% of all DWI driver fatalities in the state. In April 2010, NHTSA report addressing the problem of drunk driving among Hispanics noted that, quote, many in the Latino community have not absorbed the message that drinking and driving is dangerous. Research has shown that Latino adolescents are at a greater risk of driving after drinking and are nearly twice as likely to ride with drinking uh, drivers than non-Latinos. In 2002, motor vehicle traffic crashes were the leading cause of death for Latinos aged 3 to 8, 11, 14, 11, 14 to 34, and 37. Nearly one-third of those killed in alcohol-related crashes in Colorado in 2009 were Hispanic. According to a May 2006 NHTSA report, 42% of all Latino drivers fatally injured in car accidents had a blood alcohol content level over 0.08 as compared to just 29% of white drivers and 31% of black drivers. One 2016 study found, quote, compared with permanent residents, undocumented drivers are more likely to binge drink, less likely to understand DUI laws, and less likely to perceive the risks associated with DUI, three factors largely associated with high DUI rates. Folks, this is a silent killer in America no one wants to talk about. But again, I mean, people just panic over what the government tells them to focus on. So, I mean, it's preventable. It's the core job of a federal government. There's laws on the books multiple times that we were promised, yet no story serves as an impetus for action. Why? Because we don't have a movement that gives a damn about policy, action, and outcomes. It's all, let me get my hot takes and talking points. And that's what I'm looking to do to create this movement from this program, from this national town hall, with you as the audience, to try to drive some of these stories, not just as a talking point, but to drive action. To drive action, just like the left does. The left has a movement. They're they're not wrong. I mean, they're wrong about their views, but they're not wrong about their, their activism. They got the right idea. So that's the thing. It's like you look at visa overstays. I mean, we we don't clam down on this stuff. And the thing is, it's like. If you don't know who's in the country, you don't know what type of health problems they have. I mean, aside from everything else. You would think this would be a no brainer. You know, the countries that don't have as much of a problem are the ones that are tougher on their border. 
you know, except for China, because they begin the problem there. And again, it's it's still no one has it clear how it started in Wuhan. Makes you wonder. So that's what that. But, you know, the clamor is all from the industries for a bailout. But again, if it's bad enough to do that, shouldn't it be a no brainer that you don't allow in caravans? I mean, there's a whole nother caravan forming in Honduras now. I mean, are we really going to watch what we had this time of year last year? Remember, it's amazing how time flies. With just the chaos pouring over our border, are we going to allow that to happen because of the Ninth Circuit? But again, it's one after another. You have this Judge Collier, she was the one who wouldn't clean up FISA, is now demanding to take over Gitmo, like she's going to control Guantanamo Bay. We're allowing them into national security. You know, I was joking around. I'll, I'll, I'll transition this into another important story. I was joking around. It, you know, now that we have judges controlling final arbiter of foreign policy, national security, could we at least get them to put in a, an injunction on our troops in Iraq? Here we are losing another two soldiers in Iraq fighting for the Sunni insurgency. Folks, it doesn't get more insane than that. We are fighting on behalf of the Iranian-backed government and dying. The U.S. military announced they were reviewing operations in Iraq and Syria, including parameters for advising and accompanying local forces. Yeah, basically, they led them into an ambush or whatever. We, we are dying for people that are killing us while, they're, while we're protecting them from their fellow Islamic enemies. And then we go and bring in record numbers from these countries. I, I, I don't understand why I'm the only one to make some of these points. You know, the same way I'm the only one with the juxtaposition that both parties are doing jailbreak of gun felons while then complaining about gun violence. So it's like, we're, we're, we're saying we need to go over there to protect our national security so we don't have terrorism here. And then we bring in record numbers so they could go and, yeah, screw with us. And then we allow them to mobilize terrorist organizations here like CARE and ISNA and ICNA, Muslim Brotherhood umbrella groups, which, by the way, from what I'm told, all of Eric, uh, uh, Phil Haney's concerns, which I still want to get to the bottom of that. We know clearly now he wasn't he didn't commit suicide. Not that I ever believed that this was a homicide. Who it was is extremely unsettling. If he was killed by an Islamist, that would be the better, you know, the, the less disquieting reality. Who knows what happened there? If we'll ever get the truth. But, you know, all the complaints that Haney talked about all the time, how you, know, you had these Muslim Brotherhood groups literally just setting policy. At DOD, at state, at DHS. I mean, you, you had these guys. Um, I, I wrote about this Mustafa guy in Illinois a while back. He was part of this FBI Citizens Academy where he was given access to a tour of security at O'Hare Airport. 
And he was, meanwhile, named as an unindicted co-conspirator in the Holy Land Foundation trial. He was one of the names. He was also kicked out by state police from being a chaplain. I mean, our, our policies are so backwards. But we're not going to set that straight with the Charlie Kirkerization of conservatism. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. And we got to get that through our heads. So that's the story with that. I know I'm meandering a little bit and there's tons of stories I didn't get to. And I do apologize. It is going to be a slower week, but you know, it is, it is what it is at this point. So let's move on here. Let's move on. I, I didn't get to this earlier this week and I know things are going to fly away over time. So I won't get to it if I don't talk about it now. But it's very important to understand what is going on with jailbreak. I put out a story, as you well know, most of you have seen this by now, my Monday column. Man released by First Step Act rearrested for meth trafficking. Now, this man wasn't just released by the First Step Act last February. This man was on a podium with the president where they were basically celebrating passage of the bill. And again, as if these people are heroes, I mean, picture like angel families, you know, victims of crime, victims of illegal immigration, like they're the victims and they were wronged, unjustly locked up and, and celebrating their release. And like, we need to do something more. And, it, you know, it was a very heartwarming, cute moment where the president went and turned to this guy, Troy Powell, who was one of the people on stage. And he talked about what a great electrician he is. And he got a job at a lumber company in North Carolina. And he, he even joked about using him just personally in the White House for you know, electric work. And Trump said, hey, you know, you want to you want to say a few words? And he got up there in front of the microphone, rousing applause from the crowd. He thanked this organization, Cut 50, one of these horrible jailbreak organizations for helping get the legislation passed. Choked up with emotion. Powell said that more needs to be done. And that he left so many buddies behind in prison. Quote, there's people doing 40, 50 years for nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. End quote. The Republican National Committee tweeted out the video. You could see it online. Just Google Troy Powell First Step Act video. Now, folks, there's something very important that people are missing, and this sheds light on this Alice Johnson business, where the serial cocaine trafficker for the Colombian cartels is now the arbiter of morality and the like hero of conservative media of the Trump administration, Fox News. And that is, it's not surprising to see that this guy was rearrested for meth trafficking because he clearly didn't think he did anything wrong. That's the issue. I believe in repentance. My religion does. We have an entire month dedicated to personal repentance and redemption. 
But the first step is acknowledging the first step. Yes, first step act is acknowledging you did something wrong. Acknowledging the severity of it. Committing to leave the sin behind and walk in the opposite direction. And again, you would see that by someone saying, look, you know, I know it was wrong. I know drugs kill a lot of people, but I'm ready to come out. It's been a long time. And, you know, you go on. Not only do you get a job, but you you actually become an advocate against drug trafficking. That would really be beautiful. But it doesn't happen. You know why? It doesn't happen for the same reason these SOBs were put in there to begin with. Because the reality is, if you find your way in a federal facility and you don't escape the mandatory minimums, that means you were a bad dude. That is the, that's the thing. Like, you'd be shocked. I mean, this guy was, there's a video. He was up there with the president. The president knows him by name. You know, you picture someone that like has no connections, dealt a losing deal in life. They're like, what do you want from them? There's nothing for them to do. They got to, you know, get into drugs. This guy got a job and everything. He had everything going for him. You know, they all tell us, well, you know, we don't give them jobs and we don't properly make them reenter. We don't rehabilitate them. But no, as Reagan said, there are just going to be people that you just can't rehabilitate. And by and large, those are the ones targeted by federal prosecutors. And less than a year later, he was arrested for meth trafficking. Meth is killing more people than possible, than, than imaginable. And, and here's the thing. It's time we end this schizophrenic approach. Is it a huge problem engendering billions of dollars to spend on it? Or is it not? You can't have it both ways. It's kind of like with coronavirus. Oh, let's shut down the economy, bail out the economy. Let's die. Let's let's virtue signal. Oh, but don't shut the border down. Oh, my gosh. We have a drug opioid crisis. Let's kill pain patients. Let's let's make uh, you know criminals out of doctors. Oh, but then let's let the drug traffickers out of jail and celebrate them. Well, which one is it? You can't have it both ways. That's the big lie here. That is the big lie. And that's the thing with Alice Johnson. She doesn't think she did anything wrong. She is not advocating against cocaine trafficking. Going into African-American communities and talking about the particular danger with fentanyl-laced cocaine killing so many African-Americans, among others. No, she's advocating to let go more of her ilk. This is the swamp think that the president was sucked into. And then there's another aspect to this that's important as well. Transparency. We would never know about this if not for one local North Carolina reporter. Right? See, the same thing with illegal immigration. It's a relatively new thing with people like me and John Binder, maybe a couple of people at, at Daily Caller or Epic Times. 
handful of us that are trying to track at least a few of the cases we find of egregious illegal alien crimes. It's become a running joke in our circles now, you know, about, oh, a San Francisco man, a New York man, a Chicago man arrested, you know, when really it's an illegal alien. And it never gets traced back to the source of the problem. So it's the same thing with domestic crime and jailbreak, whether it's the First Step Act or other federal jailbreak programs or the more numerous uh, state jailbreak programs. This happens every day, never gets traced back. I hear um, DA agents tell me all the time, all the time within days, they find some of these people back to trafficking. Never gets reported. Instead, and this is the irony, like they always have, you know, kind of like with illegal immigration, the dreamers, they'll have their like cover, cover girls, you know, like, oh, this guy's getting a PhD and he's more American than you and he's amazing, but it really doesn't reflect the reality of what we see. The same thing here. Oh, look at these people. I mean, this guy's more moral and a better citizen than you. We locked him up for nothing. It's emblematic of a broader problem. We're too strict. And then here, even one of those guys that they showcased went back to doing this. Same thing with um, Joel Francisco. The Latin Kings guy, they let it let go last year around the same time in February. He was serving life in prison, the three strikes and you're out for drug trafficking. But, you know, the guy, keep in mind, part of why they gave him the mandatories was that he tried to execute a guy. He actually pulled the trigger in 1996. For whatever reason, the gun jammed. Saying he, local police believe he was responsible for a lot of murders in the area. The only reason why I know about that and was the first to report on it, a couple others, you know, the usual suspects, I mean, in a good way, reported on it, was because there was a good reporter in the Providence Journal and he contacted Senator Cotton's office for comment and that's how I found out about it. You will never know about this. But I want you guys to look up the following. And nail them on it. And this is the type of thing we're going to do with this Facebook page. December 18th, 2018 was the day they passed this piece of crap in the Senate. So if you go to the United States Senate website and go to their legislation and records and go to votes. So you'll click on the 2018 session because they'll give you the current one. But you want to go to 2018. And this is vote number 268. It was called the Kennedy Amendment. Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. And this would have required the Bureau of Prisons to put out a report to Congress on who is released, their record, and, and who, how many and who reoffends every quarter. It would publish, you know, every three months a report. Now, the entire thing that we were sold by these bastards like Doug Deason and these schmucks that are now, like he's out there on Twitter attacking me and attacking Chip Roy for retweeting some of my articles on this. Oh, it's a bunch of lies and misinformation. He, he has no credibility. Yeah, really, which, which thing is, is wrong? But anyway, people like that, they sold us a bill of goods. What was the bill of goods? They said that you don't understand. We're going to have magical recidivism programs 
and these recidivism anti-recidivism programs are going to reform these people and they're going to get out and you know i mean we have a recidivism problem like you know they they come out of jail and they're they're bad they're worse than ever and they reoffend. so we have a really amazing plan to stop them from reoffending. we're just going to let them out early and they'll somehow won't reoffend. You see, deep down, they know what you and I know. They know they're full of crap. They know this is not about some sort of honest belief in bettering public safety that they think they're generally going to be better people. They just want de-incarceration at all costs. So they don't want it tracked. I mean, you think, if we're having a debate, will this or will this not help with recidivism? Well, number one, you would want... To track it, right? I mean, let's uh, let's have a metric. Let's see who re- who is rearrested. Nope. The Kennedy Amendment. Again, it didn't undermine the bill. It didn't undermine any release. It didn't stop any jailbreak. It just said, "Look, let's just publish a report to Congress every quarter, detailing who rearrests, who 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 reoffends is is rearrested." Eighteen Republicans joined with every single Democrat. To vote down the amendment 6732. The Republican no votes. Lamar Alexander. Bill Cassidy of Louisiana. Corker of Tennessee is no longer there. Joni Ernst of Iowa. Yeah, that great loser. Flake of Arizona. He's also no longer there. Grassley of Iowa. Hatch of Utah. No longer there. Heller of Nevada. Also lost. Hyde Smith of Mississippi. By the way, it's another thing tonight. Mississippi. She is renominated without any opposition because it's not like Chris McDaniel is going to try again when he already got slaughtered last time with Trump's endorsement of Hyde Smith. He might have even Trump might have even said, uh, "You guys could look this up for me that Hyde Smith is tough on crime." <laughs> Johnny Isaacson of Georgia, Ron John of Wisconsin, Lanky Lankford from Oklahoma. Mike Lee, of course, the king of jailbreak from Utah. Jerry Moran, a.k.a. Moran from Kansas. Rand Paul from Kentucky, rabid libertarian. Roberts from Kansas. And um, is there any more? Oh, Wicker Basket. Wicker Basket from Mississippi. So we have two Mississippi senators who are like to the left of Dukakis on crime. There you go. Oh, and Todd Young of Indiana, of course. Rhino fool. Folks, I mean, this is what we have here. You can't push social change without media narrative. And this is what we're seeing on coronavirus and jail and bailouts and more spending and and whatever they want is going to drive the narrative. We need to find a way to drive that narrative. I, I really appreciate the help a lot of you have offered. And again, I'm trying to just see how to harness it. I apologize it's taken me this long, but just do realize I don't exactly get any help from elsewhere. So it's a one-man show. It's, it's, it's hard um, to do this. But sooner or later, we will get this done. We will eventually get to the point of citizens' task forces, um, which will be more, obviously more robust than a, than a Facebook page. This Facebook page is going to be a sanctuary for the American citizen. It's going to be our little 
citizens' sanctuary, for law-abiding, peaceful, patriotic American citizens. We're going to make America first more than just a BS talking point. America first is going to mean America first. Busy, busy week. Again, I'll be out, obviously, today. Um, hopefully, be back in full full swing on Thursday. Just a lot going on with the family. Thanks for your prayers and bearing with me. Till next time, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. Thank you.